0: welcome 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 to f1 with drs is everyone recording charlie you look mildly confident you're recording i'm with rob so he's I'm assuming you're oh, control. <laughs> and you're the only person that's truly safe. Yeah. How are you enjoying the floral print Lazy Boy? I love it. It's like a cozy blanket. <laughs> it might be the only chair you'll ever look small in, just like me. My feet actually don't touch the ground all the time in it.
1: Yeah, I'm just getting my toes down there as I lean forward. It's great. <laughs> and I've got room on the sides, you know, of my legs. Normally, I'm like jammed in there.
0: I feel like that chair came from another planet, where the grandmas are seven feet tall, and we took <laughs> back her recliner as an artifact. I mean, you can imagine a seven foot tall babushka in that thing. Yeah. <laughs> and Matt, why didn't you go to the attic? What's your what's what's your problem? I'm I'm at home, home. I'm at like uh, my parents' <gasps> house. Yeah,
2: mom and dad's. I took a little like a uh, little cue from Jethro. I put up some of my dad's airplane. <laughs> awards or <laughs> things
1: like that in the background so
3: oh this is great they're gonna be more and more artifacts as we go on <laughs> i think the
1: only thing i have is the uh, race to 270 trophy
0: mm-hmm. that's about all i've got let's not undermine that trophy it's the world's greatest trophy ever given it is by far the greatest trophy now what it was for maybe
1: not but the trophy itself <laughs> is incredible
0: i'm just gonna have like Posters from previous movies hung all or behind me. Oh, yeah. That's smart. When are you back, Matt? I'll be in the attic next Monday after that. So I'll be
2: able to finish off the pre-summer break in the attic. But uh, we got three days here with my whole family. It's the first time we've all been together in, in years. And then just doing a bunch of dinners. And then I'm, we go to Chicago on Wednesday to see Laura's family. We're there for a bunch of days and then going to Michigan.
0: Oh, Where are you going to Michigan? I don't know. Okay.
2: (laughs) My brother-in-law's brother-in-law lives there. I think Fall Out Boy has a concert there, so Pete's bringing us to his concert, and they're big— Well, we're all fans, but they're huge fans, and so we're taking them, and Pete's giving them the old VIP treatment, so they're all pretty
0: pumped. Okay, well, we'll sidebar after this, and I'll give you some recs from Michigan. I assume you're in the metro Detroit area. That's got to be where they're playing. I don't think so. It's like a different— city. It's like, I don't know. There's a stadium there. Yeah. I don't think it's Detroit though. It's probably the palace of Auburn Hills or something. It's probably in the Metro Detroit area. There's no stadiums elsewhere in the state. Okay. Well then I am. And I'm sure everyone was dying to get a little light geography lesson on Michigan before we I got into the Formula One stuff. I just have to tell you guys, it reminded me a lot. One time Charlie and Ryan and I, a big group of us, went up to Mammoth, and Charlie had gotten a drone. And he was flying a drone and it went into the lake. Brand new. Brand spanking new. It was the inaugural flight of it, right? Very Titanic. Maiden Voyage. <laughs> Mid <Maiden> voyage. <laughs> And it went into the water, and it was called. It was winter time; there was like ice and shit. And um, the next two hours, yep, right, yep. jury rigging things together to get it out of the, the bottom of the lake. And of course, the wives were like, "Fucking, I'll buy you guys a new one." We're like, "No, no, this is the mission now." And recovering it was way more fun than any drones ever been. And we th- that sense of accomplishment we felt. Do you remember the elation? Well, we only had whatever was in the back of your truck for
1: whatever reason, like old bungee cords, a couple pieces of wood and a tie down strap. I like, yeah, was like, right, well, try it. Hanging off yeah. the edge, holding one person while the other person leaned over, tried to hook it up. I mean, yeah. And we were close so many times that it made it when we finally got it out.
0: And it was at like the foot of a dam, right?
1: Yeah. It was like right under that
3: bridge. So it's probably 10 yeah. feet, but we could see it in this frozen water. <laughs> I had exactly the same thing. Laura's parents brought over a drone for my kids and we went to the park. I took it off and then flew it into a lake immediately, literally 20 seconds. The kids didn't even have a chance to to have a go on it and it was gone forever. That's exactly,
1: I mean, I went to take it off and as soon as it left the ground, right in, (laughs) didn't even get off the ground, just right in there. I was like, huh.
0: It makes me want to get some scuba gear and swim around some lakes and just see how many hundreds of drones are at the bottom of the lake. Um, So similarly, we were going, we're on our last couple days here in Martha's Vineyard. And if anyone in their lifetime gets an opportunity to come here, cannot recommend it enough. It's the most enchanting little island. And we were going to meet friends at the boat dock to go out on the boat. And we noticed the friend's younger brother, who's a grown man. I don't know what he's probably 35, uh, Tolia. Tolly is cruising down the street and we kind of stop. i go what's up Tolly he's like oh i've got a flat tire and then crashed into the stone wall and i got the wheel off now i then it fell into the wall and so we redirect and we go over there and sure enough there's like a early 2000s ford explorer no front passenger side wheel and Front Passenger Side fully pressed against this huge stone wall. And now a couple more dudes. They're already on the scene, right? Weirdly, one of the greatest directors, Doug Liman, who, mm. by the way, he's made the new Roadhouse. So he has Roadhouse in the can with Connor McGregor and Jake Gyllenhaal. So this guy's a hero wow. for remaking this movie, right? Wow. He's on the side of the road because Tolia works for him. Tolia's dad, Tom, who's our host, he's on the side of the road. And I got there right as everyone was pretty much going like, well, this is beyond fixing. We're going to have to get a flatbed and everything. And I'm like, no, 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 get in the car, back that thing out of that wall. Well, there's three wheels. Won't it drag the rotor? I'm like, yes, it'll drag the rotor. The rotor's indestructible. Get in the car. Back it up. Then, you know, it's just marsh underneath, and we've got two different jacks going. Many times I'm between the vehicle and the wall, and people are panicked. I'm going to get crushed. And just that brimming testosterone and excitement, and I had to dig out under the wheel. Couldn't get the jacks high enough, but by God, got that fucking spare on there. I haven't felt that. Uh. I'd rather that than get a 1600 on the SAT or whatever the fucking score Uh. is. I just was on a pink cloud the rest of the day. Like, that's right. We showed up. It was uh, insurmountable. And then Tolia drove away in that shitty Explorer. That reminds me of every time you pull into Glamis, too.
1: It's like (laughs) people are coming out of their motorhomes or coming out of their trailers to help— Get you situated, get you leveled, yeah. get your RV parked.
0: Three different guys are carrying tow straps down the side of the road. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I felt like that the first time when I changed the belt on your sand car. Yeah, I can't. I was, I was really thinking about it. I was like, what, how could it be that rewarding? Just putting a spare tire on an old Explorer. Uh-huh. There's, some, there's something, I don't know, that's primitive about it. I don't know. There's, there's also something about like people have thrown in the towel, but you still believe in the mission. <laughs> it probably helped that when you got there, they were done. Like, yeah, we can't fix oh, it. A, thousand percent oh and by the way even better uh, i'm on martha's vineyard there's a lot of actors and they're 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 artists everyone was getting a real bang out of the fact that the actor was under the vehicle and putting the jack in and then just perfectly uh, get to the dock News is already spreading. I saved the day. <laughs> my knee is bleeding, but I hadn't even noticed it, right? Lincoln's like, oh, so Daddy, bad. your knee. So it's blood gushing down the front of my can. Oh, shit, I didn't even see that. I mean, this I couldn't have scripted this whole thing better. I, I almost wanted to just <laughs> die in the boat so we <laughs> knowing <laughs> it would never get more yeah. glorious than this.
2: Imagine the headlines. Kristen Bell's husband crushed <laughs> by car trying to get it out. <laughs>
3: <laughs> 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 it's just a shame Roadhouse is already in the can. I they could have added it in as a bonus seed into the new film. Kristen Bell's husband
0: dies trying to save $140 tow truck fee. <laughs> that was my joke once we got in the boat. I go, I'm pretty confident I'll be cast. If Doug ever needs a mechanic in a film, I think I just secured that mm. role. You got it. Oh, but the bloody knee really was just like the icing on the cake.
2: Me and Charlie became quite the anglers this week. We ate bass all week. Oh, wow. And was it tasty? I don't like fish. Best fish I've ever (laughs) had.
1: Yeah, Matt doesn't like fish. I love fish. But we went out day one. First day, we crushed it. We brought home six big old bass cooked. It was insane. So good.
0: The name doesn't elicit uh, a great feeling. Bass. It sounds like ass. Yeah, like butt and ass together is the Mm -hmm. fish. Bass.
1: We had planned to do uh, fish tacos one night. And after day one, we didn't catch any. So we were like, "Mm, fish tacos might not happen. So the last morning, we were down to the wire. And we just caught so many fish. We brought home seven and made insane fish tacos. We were
2: (laughs) screaming and yelling like it was a football match. Like it was. We were like, wow.
1: We were waking everyone up. Six thirty in the morning. We were like
2: we had a huge speaker on the boat playing sea shanties, <laughs> like dun 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 dun, <laughs> the whole time for <laughs> three hours straight. Sea shanties blaring, men just covered in flies. Eating fish. I still I caught like at least 10 fish all week. Only touched two, and that was only for photos. And that I had a hard time doing that.
3: How big are they? How big are the bass?
0: The big ones were like four pounds, four, four pounds. and a half pounds.
1: Yeah, maybe like a foot long.
0: Oh my god. Did you guys feel like Vikings? I'm surprised you didn't wrestle <laughs> the whole ride home. The only downside
1: was when it was a super nice day, glassy, there were what are they, gnats, little Ugh. flies or something? They're gnats.
0: They don't sting you, bug you. They just cover you. And they try to get in your orifices, right? They get, try to get in your nose and your ear. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, it sounds like three of us secured our slot in Valhalla. Did you uh, do anything heroic, Jethro, since we last spoke?
3: I didn't do anything um, manually heroic. I did pop a wardrobe rail yesterday, which I was pretty pleased about. And it only took like wow. 25 minutes and several obscenities. Uh, I was pretty pleased with that. But I did do something vaguely heroic for my 11-year-old son in that I took him to his end of primary school prom in a brand-new pink Lamborghini. Oh, Oh, I saw (laughs) that. So that's pretty good. Come on. I was pretty happy with that. I'd completely forgotten this thing was coming up, and I'd I'd promised to get him a car. And then it was like a week out. I was like, when is this thing? And he said, oh, it's next Thursday or whatever it was. I was like, oh, man, I need to get a car in a hurry. And uh, Lamborghini came through lamborghini uk juliet jarvis shout out she she sorted me out but what about the uh the the timing on barbie weekend i know couldn't have been better really i didn't even know what the color was but it's bright pink oh yeah a lamborghini huracan STO massive rear wing and the great thing was they were meeting at this old sort of stately home before they went to the party and i pulled up and there's like a car park for normal people who are visiting the park and the grounds but for some reason, I think a supplier had been in and the gate was open to the front of the house. <laughs> so I said, Zach, we're going in. And he was like, no, we're not allowed. Dad, don't do it. Don't uh, it! And I was like, it's too late. We're in. We <laughs> were committed. So we drove straight up to the front of the house. All the kids were already there because we arrived like fashionably late, oh. obviously. And they all went crazy. And there was a photographer there taking pictures. And oh. Zach was a god. So I like to think maybe I gave him oh. the chance of the... Really good first sexual encounter at that prom.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you definitely increased his odds. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love the notion of rolling in. Don't worry, no one will notice, Zach. No one will notice. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it was great. That was really good. He was very happy, so... um yeah, and I got to look like the wanker dad with a pink Lamborghini. So all, all, all in all, a very good evening. It's hard enough, And by the way, I
0: love Lamborghini. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I get self-conscious. So the one that I love the most is I had a Huracan loner, but it was gunmetal gray. So it was almost invisible. I'm like, well, this is the perfect Lamborghini. But the notion of a pink one, were you mildly embarrassed among the other parents? I mean, he, obviously, Zach's a king. But were you a little bit like, oh, God, they think I'm recently divorced?
3: <laughs> I was embarrassed, but do you know what? It struck me over the course of a couple of days. We had a lovely period of weather here, and then it's been really shitty for ages. And I was like, this country at the minute is miserable and grey. We have terrible politicians. We have terrible people leading the way. Health service is crumbling. I was like, the Lambo, the one thing it does, especially if it's pink, is bring people joy. (laughs) Everyone loves it. And I thought... Mm -hmm. Why not? Like, yeah. why not bring people joy with a Lamborghini that's bright pink instead of, you know, matte gray or something? So, yeah, I was, um, I was into it. I was happy. Did you give it a few revs when you pulled up? Oh, God, yeah. I did. I was the ultimate Lambo <laughs> wanker. Yeah, did you hit the limiter? Revs, but luckily, they all had photos with it. They were all happy. The boys got to sit in it, and they thought it was the greatest thing ever. So it's not quite <sighs> it's amazing. catching and killing my own dinner, but I think it is relatively a good week. I think we've all yeah. done well.
0: Okay, did everyone get to watch all the stuff or no? It was a nightmare for us. Each practice session took us about four hours to get through with the buffering, but we did it. <laughs> oh, gee. You must have wanted to die after P1. They've never got a fucking time up. You sat through all that for that? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, P1, I don't know if I've seen such a wash ever.
2: Everyone was just really being strategic there, just trying to get information. There was no real excitement. Well,
0: other than our, our man Perez, <laughs> yeah. yeah, four minutes <laughs> in, oh, the car that was away. awesome,
3: was it? You couldn't make it up, could you? Like, I felt how, was so it bad. what ninety seconds into it going green? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe ninety <laughs> seconds.
2: And there's just footage that came out of Perez talking to Helmut Marco after that, and you have never Uh-oh. seen someone so scared. Like you could just see he's like this little child talking to his father, getting into... Trouble
0: and like helmets just call them collector, but you don't know what he's saying. But he's probably like, You fucking idiot. And they were completely unforgiving on the telecast, the commentators. They're like, Yeah, stupid mistake, really dumb mistake. Yeah, he got a wheel in the grass. That's a stupid. Like, they they were they were yeah. not helping him out at all. I feel
3: like if Ricardo has a fairy godmother, she is working overtime oh. at the minute, isn't she? Like, it, nothing could have been better. Just before his Pirelli tire test, DeVries has a nightmare. The first weekend he's there check he spins on his outlap.
0: yeah yep yeah he's like five hundred thousand dollar oopsies <laughs> yeah it was a it was a good one yeah it was the biggest of the weekend really yeah, he did some damage yeah he ripped out all that shit off up front yeah so p1 was nothing i can't believe you guys had to buffer your way through that i don't really remember anything significant about p2 i didn't see p3 anything radical happened in p3 well, the Alfa Romeos were really putting up like it. That was kind of the first time you started to be like, whoa, what the hell? They're up there. The only thing that was memorable about the practices is it just like the field was all over the map. Yeah. Which kind
3: of remained consistent in quality. I think it's this new format, maybe, do you think? They're all messing around with tires that they wouldn't normally be mm-hmm. messing around with. Like, they wouldn't bother with a hard tire, a lot of them. But they knew they had to. And it definitely mixed everything up. It did feel like these practice sessions were more testing than
1: normal. Like, feeling stuff out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And probably since they lost all of P1, they needed that time. I don't know. But it just felt like a little bit more of testing the waters than we've seen in the last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, and Max was really just, like, kind of mid-pack. It was very confusing. Uh, But then all this stuff started emerging that I hadn't foreseen, which was like, okay, great. So if they're all starting on hards and they're going to mediums and they're going to soft, all these cars that have varying levels of heating their tires up, that comes into play so much. It's like, of course, McLaren's like, they have such a huge advantage in Q1 and Mm 2 because they're on tires that are hard to get warm. And then you leave Q2 thinking, well, fucking Lando might get pulled. And then you go, oh no, well, now everyone's going to be on softs. Now it's going to all flip again. So I thought that made it pretty darn fascinating. If it was somehow reversed, And you started on softs and climbed to hards, that would really shake it up, I think. You could imagine maybe Lando getting pole or something.
1: That's what I was thinking. If they do adopt this new format, they should just switch back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they start, go hard, medium, soft, and then next week they go soft, medium, hard, and they just flip it around because it is, just favors different teams.
0: Yeah, it brings out all these different elements that are not normally on the table. I got to say, I audibly cheered out loud when Lewis got pulled. Yeah, he did. It was incredible. That was a real moment, man. And he was so pumped. Yeah, I was really, really happy for him.
1: Crying. I think he was crying, and he was reinvigorated. It felt like he had just had this new
3: energy. It was pretty cool to watch it and then hear his reaction over the radio. It's funny that he's won and, and had so many polls, but it mean, you can tell it means so much more all of a yeah. sudden, doesn't it? It's like he's seen he's seen the dark side where you don't get to win all the time and you don't get to stick it on the front row every time and suddenly it means a lot more. So, yeah, I thought that was really cool. I think a, a stat emerged uh, in the wake of that, which was
0: that was his ninth poll in Hungary. And historically, it goes him at nine, Schumacher at seven, and then Vettel at three. Max only has one pole there. So it's like, I don't know, brought it into perspective just how incredibly dominant he has been for so long. I was delighted for him. Uh I really was.
3: It was cool. Qualifying was great, though, wasn't it? It just, the way things are going, Quali is now the new race, you know, because it's really the the excitement of the weekend is in Quali. Yeah,
0: that was the most dramatic part of the whole race. Which all made it that much more heartbreaking that with, <laughs> within 600 yards of the start of the race, Lewis was in fourth. I was like, I couldn't believe how bummed I was to see
3: Lewis fall down the the order. Do you think he almost, like I say, because he's he's been used to it so often, but it was almost like he psyched himself out because... At the first corner, it was like him and Max almost stopped. It was a really mm-hmm. weird start. And then, you know, Piastri just rocked yeah. around the outside. Because that is literally like they were doing about two miles an hour at the apex. It was a really weird first corner. Yeah, Piastri went up the
0: inside at double the speed, and he's on the worst <laughs> line at that point. And you're like, oh, yeah. God, yeah, they've really backed the whole thing up. They're, they're, you could tell they were singularly focused on each other.
3: It was a double yeah. whammy for me because not only did Max get out in front, which meant, we all knew what was yeah. going to happen, but both Alpes were out as well in the first quarter. Yeah, like, my have- thing was done as well. I was like, oh man, <laughs> maybe I'll just go to sleep or something.
2: All the memes are Joe you Yu being a bowling ball, just smashing everyone out of that.
0: <laughs> well, and was I also heartbreaking because, you know, we, we failed to mention about quality. That was also very exciting. If you're a Ricardo fan is, um, he beat yuki you know he got out of uh, q1 and yuki didn't first time in five races i think that AlfaTari has gotten out of q1 oh really yeah yeah so i was like oh thank god we're off to a good start because in all the practices he was slower than yuki and it's like yeah this dude just hopped in this car be like Mm -hmm. getting on a brand new motorcycle and fucking doing a track day it's
3: oh it's horrible Mm -hmm. after
1: all the practices i was like oh this is the worst. he was just at the bottom the entire week and i'm like oh (sighs) no i was just so nervous for him and then he got out of
3: a Q1 and but he seemed calm I think he had a calmness about it. like he was going through a process and I think you're right Dax it's only when you realize the high level they're all operating on if you're out of the car for that long doesn't matter how many sim runs you've done and all the rest of it it's a different world when you get in the car and the fact that he went through his process without panicking I thought was good I thought it was impressive but I wrote down the lap times because the margins between success perceived success for Ricardo, and failure are so slim so in Q1 He did a one eighteen nine zero six, and Sonoda did a one eighteen nine one nine. So it's seven one hundredths of a second. So if you'd imagine, if he'd have been eight 100 slower we would have all been going oh what a shame ricardo got done by sonoda he's gonna have to really work hard totally
0: and you know I, it was fun for me because we had some guests in town who are not very familiar with formula one and they watched quality with me and i was pointing out to them which we've done on here before but it's still it's worth repeating each team has between 500 and a thousand employees yeah. they all have a unique design you have 20 different drivers with varying talent and the fucking gap between 1 and 10 is a third of a second. And the gap between 1 and 2 is 3 one-thousandths of a second. Like, it's not possible. It's almost proof of the simulation. You cannot have that many variables, that big of budget differences. And they all be within a third of a second. It's, mm-hmm. like, impossible. Yeah, it is pretty remarkable. So at any rate, I was so delighted that he was starting in 13 and Yuki was in 18. Not that I want Yuki in 18, I love Yuki. I wish he would have been 14. But I was so confused by that Alpine debacle and Joe Grigny that for the next four laps, they swapped perfectly. Ricardo was in 18 and Yuki was in 13. And it's both the Alphatari symbol. And I'm like, they got to fix the scoreboard. They have this fucking backwards. They've confused the Elf. Yeah. I was, like, getting
3: irate about it. That's what I thought. <laughs> I'm like, these bozos. I thought that he'd had some secret gearbox penalty or something. Yeah. I, I was like, what's happened? I don't get it. It, it was really weird. Because
2: they didn't show the replay for, like,
0: at least two or three laps. But the convenience of them swapping perfectly 13-18 was like, it's so improbable that there had to be a bozo up there (laughs) on the Chiron's fucking the whole thing up and making my my boy Daniel look bad. (laughs) Uh, So then I was really depressed for about the next 25 laps. Because for me, the race was already sorted. Like, Max was out front. He was just adding a third of a second every lap. And you got, I mean, Daniel was in last place much of the race. Yeah. I'm not even quite... certain how he leapfrogged him did he do one less stop
2: well he did 40 laps on that medium versus everyone else i think the max that was put in was 38 so he babied those tires and did a killer job on that and i think at the end of the race he ended up 15 seconds ahead of yuki
3: yeah i think he was smart because he was on the hard tires and he got bunched up behind that big group of cars and he realized i'm screwed like i'm not getting past these guys so he called in and said let's try a long stint on the mediums because then I get to run in clear air. I can go as fast as I want. I can learn the car as I'm going. And that's what he did. So he went in, a, he only did like 11 laps on the hard or something. And then he went straight out on the mediums into clear air. While they're all racing each other, he's just going around at good speed. And he and he got them all on the pit yeah, stops, I think. Because I was scared when he went in early. I was like, What? Eleven laps. What?
2: What what are you? What's happening? What is this all going to shit? I was so stressed out, and then it worked. He nailed that strategy.
3: It's another example of him being switched on, not being overwhelmed. Yeah, because he was clear enough in the car to think this isn't going to work. If I switch it up, I can make a difference, and that's high level stuff you know so to do that on his first one back is really really cool
0: i was gonna say if i if i can be objective about his strengths and weaknesses i would say and he did this several times last season he's really good at the alternate strategy when it's obvious he's not going to be able to pass or do this and he he often i've seen calls for a tire strategy or calls for an earlier or a late pit or something he has a knack for that he has Mm. some kind of driver intelligence that's pretty clear I would say one of his weaknesses the last couple years seemed like he's a good qualifier. He's really good the first couple laps. He seems to get wayward mid-race, or at least that seemed to be the pattern last year. And he just seemed entirely focused the whole time. Like, he he just seemed like he just was so consistent and so dialed in and so focused that it was really encouraging. So he didn't get the points, but I got to say I'm pretty damn relieved with first run out beats Yuki yep. in all the ways you can beat Yuki. Yeah. And also
3: sad for Yuki.
2: He got hit and he landed up back where he started. Like, that's crazy. That's
3: really impressive. I think he has a shot next year. If if he does continue to beat Sonoda, there's not many good reasons to keep Perez in the car at the minute. So yeah. I, I think it's really good timing.
2: Well, Horner went up to him at the beginning of the race and walked right into Danny's car and gave him a big high five. And like, there was some love there. And like, you could tell he's just like, please do good because I want you here. Like, this is your shot.
1: On Perez, even though he got into Q3,
3: ninth is not great. We're talking about the variables Dax was talking about, them, all those variables, and they're separated by tiny margins. Well, Sergio's in the same car, and he's six-tenths off. Like, it's too much. They're all mega drivers, but at the moment, he's not showing enough.
0: But I think it's also obvious that Perez is an incredible racer. He's an incredible Sunday driver. I mean, he does keep making up these places. Mm -hmm. He feels so bad he wouldn't have to work this hard if he could qualify. I have to guess if I were a driver, I would be exactly Perez. Like if you tell me I've got to be perfect now, (laughs) I can't do that. (laughs) I can't be perfect on a quality lap. This is too stressful. But give me 70 laps to be braver than other guys in turns. I think I could do that. And that seems to be, he just, he can't get the quality drive right.
1: Yeah, and it seems like more this year, the, like it's always coming down to that last lap at the buzzer. And I guess we had a couple races like that in the past, but it just feels like every quality now is down to that final lap and the position, your track position during that final lap. And we saw George
0: kind of get screwed. He had a fucking hell of a drive. He had a hell of a drive too,
3: 18th to six. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he did well. He did well. He got screwed in qualifying.
0: What's the
1: deal with, with this lineup? Like when they're going into the final, you know, they're all trying to space out right, yeah. to get their final lap in. It seems like proper etiquette that you don't fly by the car that's going 20 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. But then you had, like, Gasly snuck on the inside of, of George, and you had all these guys kind of shuffling around. Is there some sort of
3: unwritten or unspoken? I think there's meant to be a gentleman's agreement, isn't there? But at the end of the day, these guys get paid a lot of money to race, mm-hmm. or they're worried about their seat. I thought it was quite cool to see the guys dive popping Russell. Like Lando just fucking nailed like three cars into that corner to get his lap. And I was like, yeah, fair play. That's the way you got to do it.
0: Yeah. And for people who are confused by those moments, because it happened last weekend with Lewis, you're most incentivized as a driver to be the very last car to go across the finish line as it hits zero. Uh Uh-huh. And if there are guys behind you, you are trying to fuck those guys behind you. So I do love that people are like, well, no, absolutely not. I'm not letting you back me up and miss my lap. So fuck off. And there's a fine, fine, fine,
1: fine line. Because like you said, you want to be the last one. But if that guy in front of you is getting it a little too close, you just got to go for it. And it was, I did like seeing it. It's kind of cool to see him just shuffling. And you can tell there's just like the panic is cranked up just a little bit
0: you know the drama uh, every one of these races if it were a movie it's a drama but obviously dramas also benefit greatly from comedic relief and boy did ferrari supply it yet again (laughs) i am so grateful to them because i get like i get four or five enormous laughs out of the race which is sometimes more laughs than i get out of watching a sitcom lap 10 ferrari comes on and says. Switch to position Sierra? <laughs> and science goes, no, too early. And they respond, copy. It's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> First of all, why are they now, they have uh, Sierras in the mix? I don't know what yeah. that's all about. It's... <laughs> So (laughs) there's an airport airplane (laughs)
2: military lingo now instead of just letters. They're really trying to just confuse it more. Mountain ranges.
0: (laughs) All right. Let's initiate Dolomites. No, absolutely not. We're on lap 10. What are you talking? Why are you fucking throwing in the towel? on lap 10. I thought that was incredible. And then uh, shortly thereafter, we got another one. This one was for uh, LeClaire. Lap 18, you know, fucking 9.4 second pit stop.
1: There seemed to be a good amount of slow pit stops. I feel like there haven't been any issues this whole year. And this
3: race, there were quite a few that were... Uh I wonder if it was just so hot that, you know, with the brakes and everything, you end up with problems with wheel nuts and stuff. Because it was crazy hot, wasn't it?
2: We saw Alonzo's mess up in the pit, right? What was his? He forgot to put the brake on. So they lifted him up and the wheels were still spinning. Oh. So he had a slow pit stop because he forgot. He was just focused on, which is kind of strange because he's the one watching TV the whole time he's racing <laughs> and he forgets to put the brakes on in the
0: pit stop.
3: <laughs> he was just texting. <laughs> yeah, <he> was <laughs> Make sure food was ready. <laughs>
0: yeah, and a guy had to bear hug the tire or something to get it to yeah. stop spinning. I was getting a real bang out of a lot of the radio communications. There was another one I really liked. I was thinking like if you the race engineer what do you do with this so piastri on lap 38 said to be honest the tires are not bad but they really aren't good yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I what does that mean piastri? Do you want do you want to come in or not they're really not bad and they're they really aren't good stay tuned for more f1 with drs
3: There were a lot of angry drivers weren't there lando was fuming a little too much what was he mad about what? his engineer was just trying to give him the information mm-hmm. of like when um perez was hunting him down and he got defensive so i like, managed the tires and do this and do that and he's like i'm i'll do my best like leave me alone
0: yes did you have another one of oscars well no i had one with leclerc on 42 more comedic relief at one point leclerc said what do you mean we'll do it again what does that mean <laughs> He's not even even clear what they're talking about. (laughs) God, I love it. And then they always cut to that shot. It's like if I were directing this thing, to cut to the stone-cold team principal who never has a reaction on his face, he's like the ultimate straight man. So you hear this crazy exchange and then they cut to that guy and he just has a blank look on his face it's just wonderful there's just
3: disdain now from the drivers isn't there total (laughs) disdain to the point where even if they came up with a genius strategy the drivers would say no they're going to end up losing races because they think they know better oh yeah they're not going
0: to even listen to good advice at this point in in, in marriage counseling they have what's called contempt for each other right Like they've already (laughs) decided they're permanently flawed this yep this team (laughs) they've lost complete control and it's their fault but yeah like fuck it if half the shit you tell me is wrong i'd rather go with my gut and then me be wrong than you repeatedly yeah i find it a little crazy
2: that all the engineers on the radio with their drivers most drivers english is not their first language and i get it air traffic control always in english doesn't matter where in the world you are but you think a driver like and you would be like can we have an engineer that speaks my language, please? I'd like to fully understand everything and not miss anything. Mm-hmm. But I guess there's a standard for it. And for the fans, they maybe want to see it in English, even though we're probably the less amount of people.
3: There's so many people involved, though. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. Back at the factory, there's another 200 people listening in and yeah. all the rest of it. So it, it it's like the international language of motorsport, yeah. I guess. Oh, one thing I forgot
0: to mention when we were talking about the quali, you know, Lewis ended up beating Max by... right and they equated that to the distance the physical distance had they started the lap at the exact same distance and lewis came in 25 centimeters ahead oh my god wow fucking 25 like if he had a cell phone attached to the front of his wing he would have gotten it that is the size of a large penis Mm. I don't know what
2: that
3: converts <laughs> to in inches. <laughs>
0: 30 inches is a foot, I think.
3: 30 centimeters is 12 inches, uh-huh.
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. So a lo- little less than a foot, and you're right, Matt. That'd be a very significant gone. Uh-huh. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to reverse engineer the mm. length of my penis and then to I'll seconds. I'll tell people in seconds. It is.
3: <laughs> <laughs> a second. um, I did love
2: Oscar's radio when him and Checo had that kind of little battle, which was just awesome to see Oscar going for it like that. Like it He's was amazing good. and they get on the radio with them and they're trying to like, see if, you know, there's a penalty at hand and Oscar was just so calm. He's like, eh, he didn't leave me much space. And that was it. He was yeah. like, did he throw him off? And he was so calm. And they talked about how him in F2 and F3, he's just never been overly excited, never been really depressed. He's just that middle range. And I feel like Oscar's really starting to get, like, see seen interviews. He's got this look in his eye. He's kind of, I think he's way funnier than we know. And he might be a guy that, like, next year is just one hell of a personality
0: yeah i thought it was very promising to see him all weekend all weekend i was like oh okay we got another person to keep an eye on he's he's a legit prospect yeah what do you what's your opinion of him jethro
3: yeah he's doing great isn't he it was a really ballsy move to put him in to mclaren because they must have had huge confidence mark webber's his manager is near former red bull driver so knows what he's talking about but i just think If you go into Alpine, he was going to beat whoever was in Alpine, I think, and, and it was a nice little foundation for his future career. But to go into McLaren, if you don't get on terms with Lando quickly and then start beating him, everyone's saying he's a future world champion. If you don't beat Lando in the first, let's say, season and a half, then you're no longer the next big thing, you know. So such a huge mm-hmm. amount of pressure. Oh, that's a great point. Um, and I thought it was a really ballsy move to put him in. But he's done brilliantly, I think. He he started off a little way off, but now he's he's almost there, isn't he?
0: That's a really astute point that I hadn't really thought of is all these guys that did become world champions, they all beat their teammate with season one or two, mm-hmm. right? They, they all immediately broke through
3: yeah and Lando's on this he seems to be the only guy up to now who's been able to drive that McLaren really really quickly it's got some strange traits which Daniel really obviously struggled with but Oscar's yeah he's done really well and the fact that he's always qualifying like one place or two places behind after the first few rounds when there was a bit of a gap he's done really well if he overtakes Lando for both of them almost this is career defining if Lando can keep beating Oscar he's the man if Oscar can turn him over then he is that great next future world champion that everyone's been talking about. In this short time, we've all been watching it. I've not seen a team
0: improve that dramatically between two races. It's incredible. It's it's insane how dominant. Yes. Three weeks in a row, right? Lando was four,
3: then two. And then, whatever he was, two yesterday. They were arguably the worst car early in the season, weren't they? They, yeah. they were qualifying. Like, even Lando was qualifying at, like, 16th and stuff. And suddenly, they look like they're better than Mercedes race pace or qualifying uh-huh. now. Like, it's, it's impressive.
0: Yeah, they just really slid right into where Aston was.
3: Yeah, Aston have gone backwards, yeah. which is a shame. They're sort of invisible, aren't they? They've fallen into that Alpine... Aston-like Bermuda Triangle or something where you don't even know where they are.
0: It's kind of heartbreaking. Okay, so let's go to the victory celebration. I would imagine, (laughs) uh, Matt, you have a lot to say about this. Yeah, big time. You know,
2: last time Lando was up there in Silverstone, it was like the talk of the town. Lando, best champagne smash we've ever seen. It was incredible. (laughs) So obviously, he's got to live back up to that. Smashes the champagne, sends the trophy flying. And if you don't know, this trophy... Takes six months to hand make and costs forty thousand dollars.
0: <laughs>
2: like they are not fixing that trophy anytime soon. It was amazing, and he was just. And it like, wasn't
1: even his trophy. He
2: wasn't even concerned about it in the pre- post press conference. He was just laughing about it. He's like, "Ah, fuck, Max, Max broke it. It was Max that put it there." Like them
0: in the post race
2: conference after that. It's like I, I really kind of want to see Lando and Max there more. It was
0: the most entertaining post-race press conference I've ever seen by far. And I do want to, I want to make a correction because a lot of people commented on it on last week's episode that it sounded like I was suggesting that he's newly an an admirer of Lando, but that they have long time been friends, which I concede to, but it will be interesting if Lando starts beating Max, how that, I, I, I can't see Max being very gracious about that, but you know, maybe we'll see. Hopefully fingers crossed. We'll see. He didn't look very gracious after qualifying, did he? I don't, yeah, I don't
1: think he enjoyed that competition after qualifying. <laughs> no, he did not
0: one. look happy. No, he was not,
2: not happy. He walked away from that quick, that interview.
3: But <laughs> anyone else, he might have been a bit more happy. But the fact it was Hamilton, he was, the, the tension, it was horrendous to watch, but great.
0: It gave me a uh, little goosebumps. I thought like, oh man, that was the greatest rival I've watched. I mean, that season was so spectacular. Those two yeah. fought, fought, fought. I can't wait. Well, no, I can wait. I pray that Lando doesn't get so committed to this bottle opening strategy that he brings that fucker down one time, the whole Back. thing just slices his arteries. Slices like, his hand he, open, can't race for yeah, two weeks. F- fucking cuts the tendons, driving career over. I mean, this is it's a lot of risk for very little reward for yeah. dope in a champagne And bottle. it was a
1: 10 for 10 on the first one. So quit while you're ahead. He was. It was a perfect... He nailed it. He is a big celebration anyway. He had the a hero. epic. Yeah. Have We're we ever there. seen
2: those break though? Cause I've never seen one break. Like are they made obviously for this reason to be indestructible and they really just
0: can't break? I can't imagine there's a bunch of glass engineers going, well, this thing has to withstand the full axe swing weight. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> they are designed to break when you hit them on the bow of a ship, so presumably they they do break. I guess the base is tough, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's yeah, it's, it's in its column form. That's what you want. But if he gets that angle a little wrong, it's no longer a column. Ew. I'd feel better about him having a ceremonial saber mm. if he would unsheath and then chop off the top. Like I actually feel more comfortable with him swinging a saber on that stage than these repeated smashes. Yeah.
3: It's like his WWE finishing move or something, mm. you know. it's I like he's got his own signature move. I'd also like to pitch that when you're
0: officially doing his hair mat every race, that you pull out that BB gun, he puts the champagne bottle on his head, and you shoot the cork off.
2: I would love to do that. However, I really don't <laughs> think my aim is that good, and I would shoot his eye out 100%. <laughs> okay,
0: I th- I well, maybe agree. Laura. The whole family's (laughs) tending to Lando's needs, his haircuts, his bottle opening. (laughs) Uh, What other juicy stuff, Matt, has come out of this
2: week? All right. We got, well, like, another radio thing. Max talking about the marbles. Of all the radio messages, everything's like one sentence. And then it's like Max comes on with a paragraph talking about picking up marbles and took a whole lap to get off. And it's kind of just like in those scenarios, he's always telling things like no one can do anything about these tire marbles that are lying on the ground. <laughs> There's nothing
0: we can do about that. But thanks for letting us know, Max. He's just bringing up unsolvable problems. Why is the life expectancy of a human only 115? <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> I don't know. We don't know, Max. We we're powerless over that, Max. <laughs> Why is the globe heating up at such a record rate?
2: <laughs> <laughs> at the end, too, Max, like, when he finished and they told him congratulations, he was, like, going on about how the car is incredible to drive. And I had to rewind this part multiple times because he said, oh, this is so eternal to drive. I'm not good with English, but I don't think eternal to drive is the right. I Maybe meant ethereal or... Something else, but
0: he definitely said this car is so eternal to drive. Well, maybe he believes he'll be driving it in heaven forever. Which, if there is a heaven, this is the car he'll probably drive in Valhalla. Yeah. It's, yes, it is a godlike creation. (laughs) Uh,
2: We also got Max. Debuted his acting career, just came out this morning, I think. Yep. He what broke the sag line, picket line, and he is now a full actor. He's in a new Heineken 0.0 commercial. So, Dax, he's promoting non alcoholic beers. This might be your chance to get him to switch.
0: That's ironic. That's like me promoting Jack Daniels. Yeah. I mean, we know he fucking bangs him yeah, back, right? Exactly. We know anything about Max is that he's, he's a little alley cat. Yeah,
2: but it's great. It's like him. It's about like drinking and driving. And every single time he's out with his friends drinking, they're like, who's going to drive tonight? We pick the best driver. And every time he's just driving because he's drinking the 0.0. Uh. And then I think of the last one, he's like chugging beers or something. And then they were like, oh, shit, you can't drive. And then he, like,
0: holds it up, but it's a 0.0, and he can drive. Yeah, uh, I think the only time Max could be your designated driver is, like, maybe Monday mornings if you wanted to go to the pub. Yeah. Otherwise, <laughs> there's no fucking way he's not he's not drinking. Tuesday, <laughs> yeah. Tuesday, because Monday is still hungover from Sunday night when he's just won another yeah. Grand Prix. And I don't want to get sued by him, but I would bet it consistent considerable amount of money that there have been sunday race days that had they made him blow that he would be point away from the night before i, I firmly believe that we saw two seasons ago we saw some very looking ragged looking <laughs> maxes show up for the race that's when he only wins by 12 seconds yeah. or something rather than 35 <laughs> exactly well charlie and i's theory was that that's what makes him drive fast is he's so mad at himself for drinking too much that he just has to fight through it yeah and everyone
1: knows that he went out and raged. So he's got a little extra something to prove. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> we also
2: have uh, Max pulled a late night shift of his full time job before his part time F1 job the night before. He was uh, seen sim racing until two in the morning before this race, just, <laughs> just racing. I think he was at the <laughs> Nuremberg ring because it was like at night. He was obviously doing a 24 hour race or something, (laughs) so he had to do his stint late at night before his, which is just like, who the fuck's staying up till two in the morning before a race? To do
0: their part. Though.
3: That'll be the next thing for Max. He'll actually be in a 24-hour sim race while he's driving his F1. Yes, car. I was just going to say, this
0: dovetails perfectly to the suggestion last episode that they have monitors to watch the race. I think Max should be doing two races at once. Oh, yeah. but So we
2: got some good post-race interview stuff. Actually, Lando was talking shit about Lewis. He was saying, like, you know... Lewis has been complaining about their car all season, but it's been good all season. Oh, he said it. Yeah, so he's like, and now that him and Max are up there on this podium, like, I don't know if he would have said the same shit. Then Max also said, because this is 40, is it 44 race wins? 44. And yeah. he was like, oh, I cannot stay at 44 long. I got to get to that 45 fast.
3: Because that's Hamilton's race number. Oh, oh, oh,
0: oh. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. He had to get out. And then... Well, I did say this. I think I said this a few weeks ago. It's like, if you're going to have the cocky attitude, you got to win. If you win and you have the cocky attitude, I'm all for it, right? But you can't be DeVries and be cocky in that win. And Lando, he really, he wasn't in a position to be as cocky as he was, but fuck it, now he is, and it's, it is fun to watch. It is great to watch. They're the best duo of that podcast.
2: Um, quick one, also just amazing. I think we all saw it. Red Bull now 12 consecutive wins, which is the record in F1. Um, the last time someone got 12 or a I think it was 11 was an 88 so this is a a big move forward for them big thing to celebrate and lastly we have Toto was seen the video i guess he's answering questions on tiktok that viewers are asking in. mercedes really trying to get in the tiktok game and he was asked i'm curious dax charlie what do you guys think about pineapple on a pizza
0: love it love it dax it's not that I don't like it, but when you have the option of pepperoni and sausage or just pepperoni and anything, and pepperoni does not pair well with pineapple. Uh, ironically, ham does. I don't know why. They're both uh-huh. pork products, but one tastes terrible with pineapple. I would just never, I, I just wouldn't go through that door when uh-huh. you've got pepperoni right there. Uh, Jethro? No, so it's definitely a solid no for me. Yeah. Well, Toto's also a solid no. He
2: says it is catastrophic. To put
0: on your pizza. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> hates it. No, I would never eat the uh, pineapple on the pizza. That's catastrophic. What am I eating with? I mean, not in Hawaii. I might want to be in Italy. That's almost what he said. He said the Italians would roll in their grave. <laughs> Just sooner eat a
1: spark plug. Did you see Toto lose it when George
0: didn't make it out of Q1? It was amazing, Q1? yes.
1: That was like back to vintage Toto.
0: It was perfect timing for me because, as I said, I had these people there, and I was explaining, like, every little nitty-gritty detail of it. And it was right when I was making my pitch that Toto was the most impressive man in all of Formula One. Right at that moment, he had one of his explosions! And I was like, look how hot he looks mad. We haven't seen much of it. We haven't seen
1: much of that emotion. And he just... Flipped. Yeah. It was awesome.
0: Yeah, that's that glimpse you see him leading that Viking brigade into the town to take it over. That's you know <laughs> to you rape and pillage. <laughs> yeah, destroy <laughs> and maim. <laughs> I found out if there is a pineapple pizza in this village, we'd so kill it. We need to take a clip of that video and add that audio in and do that. I will not have pineapple. <laughs> I sooner <will> die. <laughs> um I didn't see that video, but I did see someone put. There's all this great footage of he and Susie coming and going in that beautiful wing 300 Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Or no, maybe it's a convertible 300. What is it, Jethro? Do you, you know the car he's got? It's a Goldwing. Uh, no, I haven't seen it yeah Is it a wing I'm not sure. Yeah, it's the most fucking elegant, beautiful Mercedes ever made. I'm pretty sure they have the 300 Goldwing. And um, so there's enough footage that someone put together just this beautiful, like, 60s Italian romantic music with those two strolling around in that car. I could watch that movie forever. They need a silent
1: documentary. It's just footage of them with a nice soundtrack. No talking, just all their worldly adventures.
0: Looking at each other lovingly. Yeah. They're they're sexy. They're a very sexy couple. She looks like uh, one of those gals with a secret, you know, like... She looks so girl next door and yeah. put together, but I bet she is an absolute hellcat. I didn't realize,
2: Jethro, keep me wrong, but she drove an F1 car. Did she not?
3: Yeah, she was test driver for Williams, I think, for a while. Um, and she did do, I think she did one of the, you know, practice sessions in the season. She she didn't race, but she did drive the car. Yeah. I heard Toto
0: has four-tenths of a second
3: in his pants. <laughs> Which is pretty, pretty <laughs> incredible. That's, that's incredible. incredible. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible stuff. Lando's <laughs> gonna use it to open champagne bottles from here on in. <laughs> <laughs> bat it, bat it
0: off. Uh, 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 <laughs> bang it right on the head of it. Uh, um, do you have any more pulp, Matt? That's, well, the one thing I saw an interview
2: with Toto, and it was more like nothing crazy, but he was talking about how like parents are tr- always trying to get their child to like have a, a vision, uh, what they want to do. And he said, no parent should ever try to convince their child of a vision before they're 23, 24. It was just kind of a motivational talk of Toto. And I was just watching it and I was like, well, that's right. Cause he said
0: he was a shithead until he was 23 years old. And before it's that encouraging. Yeah. What was this what, while he was lecturing at Harvard? Did it come from that? That seems like a very, it does seem like
2: that, but it was like a one-on-one interview, but maybe it was just a bit more of like a life chat
3: with Toto. It seemed like It does undermine everything about the very sport that he's involved with, doesn't it? (laughs) Which is kids at the age of four years old put into go-karts. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I saw a fucking video yesterday on Instagram of a guy putting his four-year-old on a miniature R1. The kid was in a full Alpine star leathers, helmet, the whole nine. Did you see this, Charlie? I saw this, And he works with the kid all day long, and this four-year-old is dragging a knee in this circle. It looks fantastic fine when he's on racing around, but when he's not on the bike, you're like, holy shit, this is a toddler. (laughs) It is. It's a toddler that I don't think can move in that big leather outfit. But that kid, he (laughs) drug a knee, man, four years old. He's where I'm at, at 48. Unbelievable. Uh Charlie, do you have anything before we get into
1: uh, Belgium? No, I had one observation that I don't know if there's a fix, but the one detection point with two DRS zones seems like a little bit of an issue. You know, we have like, if you make a pass from the first one, now you're in front with the second DRS Mm. and we just don't get any more action. I mean, we saw like George had that after Perez took him over and then he came back around. We don't get a lot of that because once a car passes, especially if they have that second DRS, they're gone. It did seem like an error. It's weird. Like if they can have two DRS zones, why not have two detection points? Or if you make a pass, maybe
0: it it flips off or something because now you're in front. That was a weird one. I did think that those two lines were like a foot from each other. It was was so confusing. Why even have the second line if someone, you know, I don't know. It it didn't make a lot of sense to me either.
3: Yeah, I like the idea of it turning off
1: after you overtake. It seems like if you get the advantage, you make the pass, then your advantage is now gone because
0: you're in front. I would argue, though, you know, a lot of people are against the DRS. There seems to be a lot of critics of it. But I'll say that what you see in the high 90s is, okay, well, when one guy overtakes the other guy with DRS, If DRS was that powerful, then the assumption would be that they would immediately leapfrog because they're within a second of each other for that lap when they get past. And if it was as course changing as people argue, then you would see them flip flop all the time and you just don't see that. It's almost always the person
3: that passes with DRS stays ahead. Yeah, the flip side is if they're that much quicker why can't they overtake in the first place, you know? I I think DRS is fine when it negates the aero wash that you get from being behind. So if it equals the two cars, it's great. But if it gives such a huge... When you see them sail past before they're even halfway down the straight, it sucks. Like, what it should do is mean they can follow through the last corner and then be equal or you you know close in the breaking zone so that it's much more equal and i think some circuits they get it right and others they get it wrong it's just a matter of figuring out how long those zones should be
0: but you can still there's so many tracks where it's like so impossible to pass that really like something like that that um you know george did yesterday um it wouldn't it wouldn't happen you can't get from 18th to 6 without that right you're just gonna get stuck behind a train and it's just not gonna be possible so
3: yeah, I think we're, we're stuck with it for a little while. I th- I, like I said, I think sometimes it works brilliantly. Sometimes it's a bit too powerful. But I think they try and change it throughout races and probably throughout seasons. So we'll see how it goes. Okay, so going into Belgium, that's
0: that's upon us. That's this weekend, which is very exciting. Uh-huh. So we go one, two right before the break we have a p10 prediction we have to make is there anything that we want to talk about track wise i i rewatched the highlights from last year and it was a spicy fucking race this is the one where uh, hamilton tried to pinch off alonso he was on the line and he the, his back wheel went right over his oh, back wheel yeah. and it sent him into this epic front endo in the mercedes but he landed stayed on it and then pinched alonso in the very next turn it was uh it was pretty bold but
3: that track can get real spicy, huh? Yeah, Spa's the best. Spa's probably, I, I guess, Spa, Suzuka, and Silverstone are the best tracks. So it's um, really unpredictable in terms of weather. You never know what's coming. It's in Belgium in the Ardennes Forest, really hilly. You can be there. I've been there several times, and it's like bright sunshine. It's all great. And then it's pouring with rain. It's just such a hard place to predict. It's got famous eau rouge or radion corner depending on how uh, nitpicky you want to be about the name but that flat out downhill left uphill right which is just mega to to see the guys go through there flat and it's yeah it's a proper old school track um quite a lot of danger quite a lot of risk and quite a lot of weather so it should be a really good race and that really long camel straight after eau rouge which is a good overtaking spot as well so it should be a really good race Which cars do you
0: think are going to be most advantageous at that track? What what, what strengths do
3: you need? Well, I think the Red Bull will be terrible, obviously. But apart from that, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's high speed. So the McLaren was meant to be only good in high speed, but it worked pretty well at Hungary. But this is a really high speed track. And Mercedes were meant to be better at lower medium speed, but they got pole but weren't really anywhere in the race. And Aston Martin have sort of faded away. So... It's so hard this season, isn't it, with the form book, but I would say it's going to be um, obviously Red Bull and McLaren would be probably favorites to be the second quickest car. Where will Ferrari be in that? They have a pretty fast straight line car, yeah? Ferrari, again, should have been good at Hungary and it didn't really work out, did it? Um, I think Ferrari, it almost doesn't matter where they are because even if they get pole, they'll find a way to screw it up. They are operationally all over the place. The drivers have lost confidence with the team, like we said. They do not feel like contenders Mm. for anything at the moment. Even if they start the weekend well, they get a good result in qualifying. I just... I can't see them doing much. Yeah, it's, it,
0: they feel like a team that's bailing water on a sinking ship. It's nice. just like everyone's frantic. No, There's no leadership. There's no communication. The, it's it's kind of heartbreaking, especially for Charles and, and Carlos driving. You could just hear it in everything, too. It's so
1: contentious. Every conversation, every interaction, it's just like you can tell. No one's happy. Everyone's
0: just riding it out. They might need to bring in one of these sports psychologists to sit down with the team, have a little uh, retreat over the summer break and fucking go camping or something. You're going to do some trust exercises, (laughs) some rope work, uh, climb some rope bridges and shit. Something has to happen.
3: Yeah, they're just not sort of in the conversation, are they? They're just, they're sort of in a a spiral into just being anonymous, not even bad, just sort of anonymous somewhere lost in the midfield. It's, yeah, it's not nice to see.
0: Well, so we're going to have another carryover because no one got P10 yet again. Yeah. The hardest. We could buy four Lemons cars with the next. Purse. <laughs> yeah, we could all race each other instead of being a team. <laughs> we should try to Iron Just do Man individual twenty four hours. I wonder if anyone's Iron would that race. Drove all twenty four hours. <laughs> I'm up for it.
3: Could be done. They used to do it back in the day at Le Mans. There was there was some dude who did it on his own. Oh uh, well, dudes, no. dudes
0: Iron Man the Baja One Thousand, and that thing goes almost twenty four hours, and that's in a violent plane crash all twenty four hours. But you've got to be on something. There's no way you can do that otherwise. If I had a cure egg no. in the passenger seat, I don't know if that would tip the five hundred dollar budget to have a like hundred and fifty dollar cure egg in the front seat running off the uh, cigarette lighter. But it would be stealing a ton of the power from the Honda I plan on running in the race. But yeah, if I did cure egg and I could pop some pods. I don't know, every four hours. I could I yeah. could definitely do it. I'd be up for it. You just it. have a couple burn boils all over your neck and face when you're fishing like a I'm leper. Drinking the hot coffee at speed. <laughs> hot black <laughs> <hot> coffee. <laughs> okay, so uh let's do P ten. Let's I want Jethro. I would love for you to go first on who you think's gonna come across that line 10.
3: i I'm so far off every single time at the moment. I don't know, Williams might be too good because they're so good in a straight line, aren't they? So Albon might be Finishing higher than 10th.
0: I'm gonna go stroll. Yeah, that's solid. He's he man, he's like the new Yuki Sonoda kind of. Matt, who you want? I'm gonna take Danny. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna take Danny
2: this week. I think he's and I could be wrong because I kind of feel more likely he might get into ninth if he kind of does what he's doing. But I'm just gonna go with him for 10th. Charlie. Science was a bold move last week and it almost paid off for you. I was close. Really close. You were
0: closest. Um, This is horseshoes. You would have walked away with some of that money. I guess I'll go with uh, with Albon. Yeah. So I was going to pick Daniel. My backup was Albon. So let's see here. Piastri's too good now. I think. Yeah, they're going to be too far off. I think those calls. I'm going to go Alonzo. This is the first time Alonzo's been picked this year. I know because well, he's been up in the top five all season, but he they all seem to be sliding slowly. (laughs) Aston seems to be sliding slowly down the hill. So. Yeah, if Stroll was there yesterday, I'm going to put Alonzo there next week. So, yeah, I feel good about <laughs> Alonzo. We could model this out. You just what They're going to fall one place for the remaining races. It does feel like that. Because they already had their upgrades, right? They had their insignificant upgrades, I feel like, a couple races mm. ago, maybe. Could be wrong about yeah, that. I feel like they just got a bit lost. Well, look, man. Although I gotta say the race wasn't there weren't a there weren't many great battles and so it kind of failed in that way, but just the overall vibe of change, I feel it. And it's exciting. Mm. And Ricardo's back. Yeah. And he got fucked, man. I mean, he he started in thirteenth. He avoided that crash and he found a way to get up five places. So you gotta imagine if he had stayed in thirteenth, we would have seen him in the points. So I'm just very optimistic. Mm-hmm. It's a very exciting time to be into the sport. And uh, as, as Jethro said, Spa is a place where legends are made. So it's going to be a great track and a great race. I'm so excited. I hope everybody is equally thrilled. And until next week, I encourage everyone to push, 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 push.